What the fuck is up, world? Biali Tlaltik Bak. We back in this bitch. Back from the crypt with some more of that motherfucking hood philosophy shit, boy. You heard? It's been about almost three weeks now, dog, since my last podcast. Some shit like that. I don't fucking know. Time ain't real, okay? All I do know is that it has, it's been a while, okay? It's been a while. And um, I'm trying to be okay with it in the sense that I know I set out in the goal at the beginning of the year, one podcast once a week, but you know, your boy's back on his shit for better or for worse. And uh, I'm just happy to be here podcasting right now, okay? I'm not trying to sound too melodramatic, too hyperdramatic, but yo, fucking life happens, bro, you know? And just sometimes shit gets in the way and you just, you don't come through. You don't fucking fulfill yourself, the goals that you set out for yourself. And before that used to really fuck with me and i'm not saying it doesn't fuck with me now so much as i'm trying to show a little bit of compassion towards myself i'm trying to exercise a little bit of compassion with myself and um instead of beating myself up needlessly because of you know all the ways that i'm slacking on the mac and it's been so long that i've dropped one of these motherfucking podcasts that i don't even fucking remember where the lighting is supposed to go up in this bitch right but here we are your boy been slacking on the mac end, but i'm just happy to be back i actually had a different podcast in mind lined up for today and in the interest of full disclosure, I was actually going to drop it about a week ago, okay? But um, actually not a week ago, a couple days ago, right? I'm lying. Let me be honest with you all. But uh, what happened that threw me off the loop is my, my boy, dog, the dark man X himself, fucking, you already know, right? He, he, he returned home. He went back home with the ancestors, okay? And uh, that was, it was, it was, it was, it was just, it was a, uh, an event in my life, Okay. So I'm actually going to pause the initial podcast that I had planned for when I did inevitably come back to this podcast game. And you know what? In the interest of full disclosure as well, this one, I am going to associate it with everything that I've been talking about this whole year because it's it's readily, it's it's easily relatable, okay? Um, just so I don't leave you hanging, the Jordan Peterson shit, okay? One of the biggest uh, issues, not issues, it's not a personal issue that I had with him, but just one of the things that always took me for a loop is how the cult of personality, if you will, that emerged around him. And at first, I initially thought I didn't understand it because how the fuck does this dude have so many fucking people venerating him, essentially? You know what I mean? But then um, with the passing of X, it got me sit back and thinking and realized that, yo, I, I was the exact same way when I was a fucking kid. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's actually pretty fucking hypocritical of me to uh, blast the people who venerate Jordan Peterson and put him up on his cult status when I myself did the same with multiple peoples, uh, one of which you see up on the wall behind me, Pac. Not so much Biggie. I've mentioned before, he's a dope rapper. I like him. I like this picture more importantly, okay? Um, I don't place him on my top 10, that's for sure. Um, but I do place X on my top 10, okay? I, in fact, I place him in my top three, honestly, um, as far as not just dope as rappers for me personally, but definitely most influential, okay? Um, so... Uh, I decided to, again, I'm going to put, I'm going to, I'm putting it on the back burner, the initial podcast, and I'll pick it up again. But even though I'm going to deviate slightly, it's still very much in line with everything I've been talking about, because I realized through that, that honestly, I put fucking DMX up on my own list of veneration as I was a younger kid. So I started thinking about a little bit, you know, about why it is that people like myself do this shit in the first place, right? And that's where this particular podcast was born from. If you notice, I don't, I, I don't even have, I'm going to be honest with you all. I don't even fucking have, that's probably what it is. It's fucking my shit all up. Um, the lighting. Uh, is I don't even have notes for this particular podcast. I'm coming straight out the fucking heart with it, okay? Um, for better or for worse. So let's let this shit load up so that my lighting looks a little bit better and then we'll get going.
All right, so there's my lighting looking a little bit more familiarized, okay? Um, and before I continue, let's just get the quick formalities out of the way. If you haven't already, follow boy OG underscore ice nice 13 on the gram. And if by the chance you hear this and that shit's been deleted, OG dot un, or rather OG dot ice nice 13 on the gram as well. That's the backup account, right? You can find me there. Keep up to date with all the podcasts and shit. I swear, inevitably, I'm going to be dropping out more shit. Merch. I'm excited for the merch. I'm in the process of developing it and now some shirts, right? Um, playing it a little hush hush for now, but inevitably the time will come when I'm able to feel comfortable to throw it out there, right? What shirts that I'm going to be working on. And then as well, again, of course, the Patreon where I got a few little fucking twists to this just regular hood philosophy shit that I've been dropping for the past two years to share with you there as well. Okay. So with that said, again, no notes, dog, just coming straight from the heart with this one. Again, the fucking, the passing of the fucking DMX, dog, that shit really fuck with me. And, um, one of the reasons why is because obviously I took to DMX at a very young age. When DMX dropped fucking Rough Riders Anthem, I was in sixth grade. So that was like the peak. That was the, that's, that's when the shit started. Okay. Um, probably a little bit more earlier. Like it started in fifth grade, but it really fucking the shit here being the, the sickness of spirit, dog. Like the real, the, 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 the shit that I'm still dealing with to this day, you would imagine like a fucking grown ass man, right? But it's sometimes it's embarrassing. But like I said, to admit, but like I said, I'm trying to practice more compassion with myself and be open and honest about it. Yeah. Um, the, the fucking, uh, <laughs> the trauma, dog, that's when it started around sixth grade. And it just so happened to be around the same time that X dropped It's Dark and Hell is Hot. Okay. And when I first got a grip of that album, like it really did just, it sunk its fucking grips into me, dog. And it spoke to me in a way that very, very, very few artists have ever done. You know, with the exception, obviously, of Pac. There's a few other more, you know, Tool is one of them. Um, Insomnium, the band Insomnium is another if you if you if you're interested, right? And then of course there's DMX dog, and the reason why he's fucking spoke to me, not just from sixth grade, but on through the rest of my life, yo, is because he relayed in a way that could resonate with me and others like me, obviously, the pain associated with growing up in the hood. Let's just keep it 100, okay? The man's entire life was one that was riddled in pain. In fact, I'm gonna I feel kind of guilty admitting this. But a small part of me, when I found out that he had finally passed, I was I was actually a little bit relieved. Okay, I was relieved for him. And the reason why is because, as again, someone who suffers from the sickness of spirit dog, I know, I, I have an idea. I don't know his exact lived experience. You know what I mean? There's three things and there's three things that define DMX. He's a black man. He's a fucking traumatized man. And he's dealing with emotional, he's from the hood, right? a traumatized man from the hood and he's dealing with the fucking trauma of that fucking of growing up in the hood right i can't relate i i can't relate to the being black part okay but i can absolutely relate to the other two the fucking trauma of growing up with the hood and you know trying to deal with it and all that kind of shit and um <laughs> when it came to this dmx character he articulated in a way that wasn't that it was even frowned upon dog in the hood okay we grew up in the machismo shit for those of you who are like me for those of you that aren't, it's not that much of a difference. Even if you grew up in the suburbs, the toxic masculinity is what they'll call it in the suburbs, right? In the Chicanx community, we call it the machismo, bro. And the machismo, of course, is the idea that boys don't cry, men don't cry, all that type of shit. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't even know what the fuck I'm saying when it comes to that because I'm still dealing with the fucking inner conflict of, you know, of overcoming my machismo. So a part of me wants to say, yeah, and it's fucking true, dog. Boys don't cry. But on the other hand, I'm just like, okay, well, maybe. Okay, it's okay to cry. And that's kind of where the fucking DMX influence really started to come into my life, right? So when it comes to him passing and the fucking odd sense of relief that I felt, it's because, again, dog, as growing up with 
just suffering through the mental the fucking <laughs> the sickness of spirit dog i understand full well what it's like to just long for peace to just desire fucking clarity of mind and just overall happiness okay and i know i can speak confidently even though i've never met i never had the chance to meet him i can speak confidently that i know dmx felt the same and i say this because Okay, we'll talk about it, right? And I'm just going to like associate it with the podcast and then like everything that's going on in my life, but then I'll, I'll bring it to the DMX part. So hopefully that'll be the reference point to where, how it associates with your life and shit because I'm not trying to make this all about me. You know what I'm saying? But um, in the song, the fucking convo, yo, or actually this, the, the, the track before the convo, his first prayer skit, prayer skit one, okay? He talks about this kind of shit. Dog. He's got this one line where it says, um, you know, he's been given this this, this pain and that he's just fucking hoping, essentially, that it'll go away. And he doesn't understand why he was given this pain. But he says, and this is the part that always, always, always stuck. Like, yo, straight up, I used to listen to this shit on repeat. And it's funny because I'm not even Christian. Like, you know this. I've told you this before millions of times. In fact, I have openly hostile views towards Christianity. It bears repeating many times, okay? But um, I would still listen to this prayer fucking like on repeat, repeat, repeat. Tears in my eyes at some point. You know what I'm saying? Um, the part especially where it says... You know, give me pain till I die. But uh, or rather, I take it back. Let me go back one line further. It says uh, one line before that. He says, "But if it takes for me to suffer in order for my brothers to feel the light, give me pain until I die. But please, Lord, treat them right." Okay. Um, and that part just it always stuck with me. And in the interest of like complete disclosure, that line I remember it was about what four years ago already. I was chilling outside of the fucking the rhetoric department at UTEP, and I was just blasting. I was already like fucking thirty years old, dog. And I was just blasting this fucking prayer on repeat because I was kind of lost in the world and I didn't really know what the fuck I was doing. All I know is that I was pursuing still my PhD and that was giving me some sort of meaning and purpose, right? But I couldn't really figure out or articulate why it was that I was even pursuing the PhD in the first place. And then on top of that, I was still trying to reconcile with having dealing with the fucking sickness of spirit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't understand. Basically, my frame my, 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 was my frame of thought back in the day, back then. Still a little bit to this day, but I have a little bit more confidence and you'll see why here shortly. Uh, I didn't understand, like, why I was going, why I had gone through what I had gone through, why I was continuing to go through what I was going through. And, you know, why it had just, shit just didn't seem to be changing, okay? And uh, finally, for that, for whatever reason, that day, you know, of all the fucking times that I blasted the fucking prayer skit and the convo right afterwards on repeat, you know, it finally made sense to me, dog. And the sense was that I, I personally, I'm not trying to gas myself up. I'm not trying to put myself on a fucking pedestal. I'm just telling you like the insight that is honestly partially responsible for this podcast. And that is that I will suffer and that's okay. Okay. Because for whatever fucking reason, and this, we'll skip past, we'll move beyond the, the con, the, the prayer. Okay. The initial prayer skit and onto the song, the convo now. And, uh, you know, for DMX, that conversation that he's having with God, the fucking idiots at iTunes, whoever wrote it said Satan, they're fucking morons, okay? Anyways, he's having this convo with God and basically what he's saying is like, yo, I want to do this, but you're telling me no because of this. And it's very difficult because while you're telling me that there's all this glory and promise that awaits me, I'm still growing up in the fucking hood and dealing with all the struggles associated with, including the fucking financial insecurity, you know, that grow that, that's associated with growing up in the hood. And, you know, it's easy for me to go out and stick someone up is what DMX is basically talking about and get the money that I need to survive for today. But you're telling me not to. And I don't understand why. To which him himself, again, uh, voicing the word of God in the song, he tells himself, yo, like, look at everything I've done for you. 
I've given you the talent to rhyme. And then he goes on to say, I might not come uh, when you call, but I'm always on time, essentially, right? And he's saying in his God voice interpretation of it, like, yo, like you have a purpose, you have a reason and you have the skill to be able to fucking articulate that purpose and reason, okay? It's in the talent to rhyme and your ability to perform, one of the greatest performers of all time. And that's kind of the piece that he comes to at the end of those two tracks where he's stating like, okay, I'm, I've come to terms with my position in life. My position in life is I will reap the benefits of being a, a, a successful rap superstar, but it's going to come associated with the fucking pain and the anguish of having sickness of spirit. Now, again, I'm not trying to gas myself up and put myself anywhere near DMX's level because I know full well that I'm not, dog. I'm just some fucking random person who picked up a fucking podcast machine and started dropping my shit on the internet that thankfully some of y'all vibe with. You know what I'm saying? But um, I do also recognize as well that I have the ability to articulate certain, you know, experiences, if you will, of life, a shared communal experiences of life. And um, yeah, I was, you know, again, going back to this time in my PhD program, wondering to myself, like, what the fuck is the point of this skill? Like, to be a very good college professor, like, that seems kind of fucking whack, and that could be taken away from me literally at any fucking moment. So what really good is it to be able to articulate complex ideas? And then on top of that, I'm fucking having to deal with, like, all this emotional baggage, like, this fucking just sickness of spirit. Like, I just had a difficult time reconciling it. But finally, this one time when I was sitting outside this fucking building, listening to these fucking two tracks now at this point on repeat, it finally, it clicked, dog, like... Yeah, homeboy, you're going to suffer and it's okay. You're going to have to embrace the suffering. This is when I really got into Nietzsche, right? Like really, really got into Nietzsche. Um, you're going to have to embrace the suffering and you're going to have to transmute the suffering in order to make light out of it, okay? Like that, that that's your role that you've been dealt with and you know, you're going to suffer. My, I'm already, I've already come to terms with the fact for the rest of my life, like I'm going to suffer. Not just me, like all of us are going to suffer, right? But me personally in this particular sense, uh, the sickness of spirit, like it's just, it's never going to go away. It's just there. I can do my best to deal with it and try to mitigate it, try to fucking, you know, uh, to try to sway the favors in my odds, however, may uh, uh, as best as possible, but it's never going to go away. This is my life. Okay. So that's kind of going back to the beginning when I said, I'm trying to practice compassion with myself as opposed to just fucking beating myself up because on top of having to deal with the sickness of the spirit, I also had to deal in the past with some of the unrealistic expectations that I had with myself that would only further compound the issues. You know what I'm saying? So part of that process, this healing process that DMX helped me come through is to come to terms with the fact that like, yeah, this is who you are. This is why you're going to do it. And I don't care if it's just for one person, dog. If I could take the pain and, you know, reflect it or, you know, transmuted in such a way where it's going to be beneficial to even one person, I'm perfectly fine. I'm perfectly content. My life would have been, my life's purpose would have been sufficiently satisfied. Okay. So when it comes back to DMX and shit, um, <laughs> I just started thinking a little bit more about just how difficult it is for me to even say that, just how difficult it is for me to even admit all that. You know what I mean? But again, part of the realization that I came to was that's, that's, you know, I talk about all the time, strength and power. It is the Nietzschean concept of strength and power. That's how it relates to me, dog. Like for me personally, your boy is mad egotistical, okay? That's how, that was my coping mechanism to grow up surviving the situation that I was fucking born into, okay? Um, just to be mad egotistical and to try to deflect all criticism by this fucking grandiose fucking swagger, essentially, that made it appear as though externally I was fucking vulnerable to all criticism when in reality I was just this fragile, fucked up, little fucking emotionally traumatized kid, you know what I'm saying? Um... But the point that I'm trying to state here then is that 
it's difficult for me to still even fucking it's to say that like yeah you know all, all the trauma that i've dealt with in the past and you know having to deal with it just typical machismo shit i'll admit it okay but um when it comes to this dmx character that's one of the things that he openly talked about he's stating like yeah dog like i grew up fucked up traumatized I had a weird fucking upbringing, another thing that I could relate to him, right? We were both born to fucking teenage mothers that didn't know how to raise us. Thankfully for X, it appears as though he and his mom reconciled later on in life. Me and mine have yet to do so, but it is what it is. You know what I mean? Um, and instead of having someone there, because his father, like mine also, was just absent. Unlike his father, though, mine was just a piece of shit fucking drug addict. His was an artist, right? <laughs> um, that abandoned him in order to pursue his art career. But... Um, uh, what he speaks about is that in the absence of anyone to speak with, he had nowhere to go. He had to internalize all of his pain. And it's not like he could just go down the street and talk to his homies about it because the culture that he was raised in fucking frowned upon that shit. That's one of the biggest problems that I had when I was reading through some of the responses to his passing. And this one was on fucking white Twitter of all places, of course, that didn't seem to understand the environment. There's no way. There's just no way. Especially even if you're not white, dog, even if you, you can be of any ethnicity. But if you didn't grow up in the hood, it's very difficult. And if you ask me, it's not, it's not your fucking place to understand. Not, it's, not your place to, it's, not, it's not that it's not your place to understand. It's not your place to critique, okay? But it's very difficult to understand what it is like growing up in the hood. Especially, if you, again, if, you've been, if you grew up with, you know, in a good socioeconomic status, if you will, there's just no way you'll ever, ever be able to understand it, Okay. And so what X was talking about is he's saying like, yo, yeah, I grew up in the hood and there's no one that I could have talked to through all of his pain because that shit was frowned upon. It would have, it would have made you vulnerable and not in the good way. It would have made you vulnerable in a way that would fucking have led to you potentially being harmed. You know what I mean? And that's just because of that, he had no choice but to internalize all of that fucking pain. And that what he's talking about as he got a little bit older is how much he wished he would have been able to fucking speak on this type of shit in order for him to, have, you know, come to terms more uh, adequately with the trauma associated with his upbringing. And I took that obviously very like to the heart because same, first of all, but more importantly, because I realized like, okay, who are we really doing any favors here? You're trying to front like this fucking grandiose swagatistic fucking cat, but who, who ultimately are you benefiting? You're not benefiting yourself because it's not fucking real. And if you're only furthering perpetuate, if you're only further perpetuating this culture, you're realistically doing harm to those who are going to come after you, dog. And that was kind of the real, that's a little bit more of the realization when I began to understand that like, yo, this change that it is that we're fucking always talking about, it really does start at an individual level. And, you know, if I'm going to sit here and talk about the importance of recovery from existence and all that kind of shit, I have to apply these on my own. I have to apply these principles on my own in my own life as well. So I can't be fucking afraid. I just can't. I don't have that fucking option to not speak about this kind of shit, Right. Because you understand that just hearing it, again, even if just one person hears it, I'll be perfectly fine that this fucking machismo culture in the Chicano community, not in the Chicano so much, right? And definitely in the brown community. I say not in the Chicano, yeah, in the Chicano, the original Chicano movement too, but I'm trying to not import it into the Chicano with an X movement, okay? Um, it's prominent. This fucking toxic masculinity shit, dog, it's prominent. And that, that extends beyond the, the hood and beyond the Chicano community. That extends to just european western colonialism in general right and if we're going to continue to bash it then it's important to fucking at least apply the practices that we're trying to see to apply the changes that we're trying to see in the world so that was kind of another really thing that really stuck out with me when it comes to this ex character talking about how much he wished he had the opportunity to do so when he was younger 
Because if that was not the case, if that was the case, rather, he probably wouldn't have, you know, undertaken some of the decisions, if you will, that he chose along life that led him to where he inevitably ended in life. Now, it's a weird thing to say because at the same time, you know, I, I come on here and I talk about amor fati, Nietzsche, all that type of shit, right? Like love your fate, embrace your fate. And the argument can be made that without that fucking <laughs> traumatic ass existence that DMX had to endure growing up, we probably wouldn't fucking have the dog man X as we've come to know him. He had to have gone through that kind of shit. So I don't want to, I don't want to dismiss it too much. So much as saying that like, if he could go back in time, he would do it all over again. I can't speak for the motherfucker, but I would like to think he wouldn't, right? That he would go back and do it again infinitely many of times the way Nietzsche asks of us because give me pain till I die. If it takes for me to suffer for my brother to see the light, give me pain until I die. But please, Lord, treat them right, okay? Um, so it's almost like he was this fucking figure that came. One of the really cool fucking, uh, one of the really cool articles that I read regarding his passing was that he came and collected our collective pain, right? He collected our collective pain and he took it from us and he internalized it for himself and he made our pain his, and he exercised it through his music. And it's one of the reasons why he was so fucking just beloved, dog, just outright beloved, okay? In a way that, again, very few people on this planet ever, regardless of their occupation, regardless of their ethnicity, at least in the modern culture, in the modern era, have ever been, or maybe will ever be, ever again. There was these people, like, the one, the one that really bothered me was the game. Yeah, I used to love the game when I was younger. I fell off on the game, though, right? Anyways... The rapper. This is how we do. That guy, the game. Um, one of the responses that he had was that everyone was showing so much love to DMX when he was dead. Why didn't they show him that kind of love while he was alive? That if people aren't showing uh, the game that kind of love now, then don't even bother showing it to him when he's dead. And I was just like, yo, how fucking vainglorious can you be to make the passing of DMX about yourself? You know what I mean? Like the love that people are giving him, like, yeah, dude, admittedly, DMX didn't occupy my every fucking waking moment, but he was always there, a giant piece of my life. But, you know, to to argue that we didn't show that love first and foremost and that it was even possible to show the type of love that he received following his passing, it's very, like, it just, it was just a weird thing for him to say. It struck me as kind of fucking weird, okay? Anyways, <laughs> I just kind of went off on a tangent there. I'm sorry. But in coming back to the DMX example, uh, he, he's saying this, like, yo, I wish I had, I wish I could have been able to express this pain, right? But again, if he did, if he had the ability to do so, would we ourselves have been able to pin our pain on him for him to in turn around be able to, you know, fucking transmute that shit into some of the most beautiful music that has come out of this fucking modern era, at least in my my very, very humble opinion, okay? Um, another part that really stuck out to me when it was uh, regarding this DMX shit. One second, let's see how deep I am into this motherfucker. 25, about 24 minutes already. I'm going to try to keep this one short just so that I can actually try to come out to you with the other fucking podcasts that I had, right? This is more of a tribute to the dog man himself, right? Anyways, um, another part that really stuck with me and this one really hit because obviously I'm a fucking teacher, dog. And more importantly, as a teacher, this is this has been my calling ever since I fucking discovered it. Like it fucking, when I read this shit, it's like, yo, this makes so much fucking sense. This is the type of fucking teacher I'm going to be. This is beautiful. It's the work of Chris Emden, which, by the way, to be completely fucking fair, is where I get the idea of the hood in the first place, right? Never mind the fact that I actually did grow up in the hood. I don't need to fucking, I don't need to give you my cred, my street cred, or even lack thereof, to fucking affirm the fact that I'm from the hood. I know where the fuck I'm from, okay? But uh, the actual idea of calling it the hood and all that kind of shit, it came from Chris Emden, who's going to tell us, like, yo, the hood is anywhere in the world, dog, that is socioeconomically disadvantaged and socioeconomic despair. Typically, you're going to find brown and black people in these communities, okay? He calls them indigenous and neo-indigenous peoples. 
And some of the fucking overall defining characteristics that you're going to find in this is fucking hopelessness, drug abuse. You're going to find fucking uh, crime, obviously, because of poverty. And more importantly, more importantly, most importantly, you're going to find brilliant, brilliant fucking people who have just been fucking left behind by the institution, the American Learning Institutional Facilities, okay? And the reason why is because, A, primarily of the cultural differences uh, between you know, just Christian Europeans and the rest of the fucking world, but also because of the standardization of education. Like, dude, no one gives a fuck about K through 12 education. It fucking pains me in my heart. I know I'm a hypocrite because I don't teach K through 12 education, but you know, if I ever had the opportunity, I would seriously consider it because of now realizing how much of a fucking potential impact you can have in the motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? But, um, and going back to the example of the hood, what he's stating is this Chris Emden character is you have these brilliant children who enter into these American institutional learning facilities who have so much to offer. They have so much potential to offer. And then they're met with this fucking curriculum that just does not inspire any sort of creativity. It does not inspire or promote intelligence. It promotes rote memorization, which is the complete antithesis to any sort of education, Right. And that when students rebel, rightfully, because they're fucking kids, man. And, you know, when they rebel, again, rightfully to this bullshit-ass education, fucking brainwashing that we're going through, those children are seen as problematic. Those children are seen as a fucking nuisance. Those children are not recognized for their genius that they potentially possess and are instead fucking lambasted for being a disruption, which was absolutely the case with DMX. This is exactly what he said, like, yo... I love school, but it came to the point where the teachers weren't fucking challenging me and teaching me anything of relevance and importance. They didn't, they didn't want to respect the fact that I was a talented and educated fucking rhymer. They only cared about my fucking grades, which I thought was stupid because I didn't care about that kind of stuff. So obviously my grades weren't good, but it didn't mean that I was a fucking stupid person. It just meant that I didn't give a motherfuck. And that's kind of what the point of Chris Emden's work is when he's talking about, you know, for white people who teach in the hood, that's the name of the book. He's stating it's like we got to learn to recognize and cultivate the genius, okay, that these students in the hood fucking introduce into our classrooms instead of just immediately dismissing them, as was the case with you, me, and DMX as well, right? So on that note is, I guess, the capstone of the argument that I came up with when I was, not even an argument, just the realization, okay, that I came up with when I was digesting the passing of fucking DMX, right? And that is just the sickness of spirit, dog, the overall sickness of spirit. And honestly, a little bit to that extent, the daft responses that people who have no idea what it's like to deal with, not just the sickness of spirit, but fucking addiction as well, the way they were responding to it. Like, oh my God, he had kids. How could he do that? He's so selfish. I know it's going to sound hypocritical to me because I just said the same thing about my own fucking dad, but that's a very unfair, it's a very unfair fucking critique to lob at somebody right now this is coming from someone who again admittedly mad daddy issues because the motherfucker just was not there right and he was not there because of drugs so for the longest time in my life i was like man fuck that fool and fuck all drug addicts okay i'm at a point now where i'm slowly starting to fucking work my way through that and realizing that you know what life existence is terrifying bro and some of us can't fucking handle it and the way we choose to cope is you can either yeet yourself back into the fucking void or just find something that's going to pacify the pain of existence. And unfortunately for my father, not the father, the dad, right? The, the, my dad, 
he chose heroin and that shit, it consumed him. It took over his whole life. Whether he's still alive or not, I don't know. Don't really care. But I know what it's like to fucking, you know what I'm saying? Uh, have to come to terms of understanding. I'm not saying I forgive the motherfucker. Maybe one day, but not right now, okay? But at least now, the anger has been softened a little bit by the realization that, again, you cannot, you cannot blast people for the way that they fucking choose to cope with reality. Because in the absence of any of the proper learning skills necessary to do so, which is the whole fucking point of hood philosophy, right? You can't really, I mean, it, it's hard because you don't want to give people an out and you got to hold them accountable for their actions. But at the same time, what I'm saying is you got to have a little bit of under, a little bit of room for understanding and say like, okay, well, psst, you didn't know better. I mean, you got to step it up, dog, because it's fucking, you know, it's fucking 2021 and the resources to do so are readily available like through this podcast, right? But uh, you got to work through those issues. But again, a little bit of space that was created there in the first place, okay? And uh, so how that relates to this DMX character is you see all these responses to people who are saying like the way that how selfish of him, for instance, because he just had a little infant girl recently. I guess she's a toddler now, right? To have left her behind. But again, it's like you can't place that on a motherfucker because you just, you don't know what it's like to grow up and be fucking still dealing with unresolved past trauma, and the point that it associates then with this next discovery that I had when I was, not a discovery, it's just an insight, me personally, just thinking through this shit, right? And it's just of how, how much of that trauma is fucking expressed in seemingly reckless behavior. Now, when it comes to DMX, that motherfucker, for instance, got arrested countless numbers of times, okay? And for me personally, I can't even begin, I would be like honestly embarrassed still to this day, maybe one day. My ego trip will wear off a little bit and I'll be able to talk about it. But embarrassed, dog, embarrassed of admitting to you the ways in which my fucking trauma manifested itself in outlandish behavior that you can't help but feel others. You can't help but, you know, understand why others would look at you and feel like you're fucking crazy, right? But in, you know, revisiting the effect that DMX had, <laughs> I realized like, yo, this crazy shit, dog, it's just an it's just uh, it's a convenient excuse that people have created. I don't, I don't want to say created because I'm not dismissing the fact that there are legitimate mental illnesses out there, okay? Um, but I don't think mine was necessarily so much of a mental illness in the physical, biological sense, again, so much as it was the sickness of spirit. And, you know, when you just quickly label it as a mental illness, as they're so apt to do in modern society, as opposed to addressing the emotional fucking issues at, at hand, you give people an excuse to avoid having to fucking deal with those emotional issues and thus keep them ultimately from recovering their existence and, you know, living this life of actual genuine happiness. I know that was certainly the case for me, okay? When I realized like, yo, I'm not, I'm not crazy, dog. I'm really not, okay? There was a time when I thought I was. <laughs> there was a time when I legitimately thought I was like a fucking psychopath, right? Because I didn't feel any sort of fucking empathy. I would never feel any sort of remorse. I would never feel any sort of sympathy. This is just a little bit of insight into some of the outlandish behaviors that I'm still to this day fucking embarrassed to talk about, okay? But because I didn't feel any of those emotions, there was a point in time, dog, when I used to pretend to feel emotions just so that I could like uh, pass off, right? I was so nervous about people fucking uh, uh, like wising up to me as a person, figuring me out that I would just pretend to fucking have emotions. Like I would see the way people would react in certain circumstances. I never was able to get to the position where you could fake cry and shit. You know what I'm saying? I'm not that good of an actor. But I would see the way people would respond in certain situations. I would take note of the words that they would use in certain situations. And I myself, whenever I found myself in that particular situation, would replicate that behavior. 
I had none of the emotion associated with it, but I had all the external, you know, <laughs> the external mannerisms that you would assume that someone that is able to empathize did, okay? And for the longest time, I legitimately thought it's because I was a fucking psychopath, right? And I said, fuck it, I guess I'm going to be a psychopath. And I was like obsessed with serial killers. I was obsessed with just typical psychopath shit, right? And then something happened, like this fucking weird ass, not weird, it was actually pretty dope because I was, despite the fact that, you know, I'm like joyous, joyous, joyfully <laughs> claiming to have felt no emotions and that I thought I was a psychopath, I was actually very sad at the time, dog. I didn't realize it because I was angry, okay, but obviously the anger beneath it, the driving force the was the sadness, okay? So this is me like importing myself now, like time traveling back to the person I was 15 years ago, right? I thought I was angry, but I was sad, Right? But I know for a fact that I was miserable. I was just not happy, okay? And um, this one instance happened. I won't talk about it because it's just, again, it's one. Of those, it's not a bad thing, right? In fact, it's a good thing, which is why I don't want to talk about it because I'm not trying to fucking blow myself, basically, right? But I remember that when that did happen, just like something, like a light went off inside of me, a little Grinch shit, you know, a little heart got a little bit bigger or whatever. And it made me realize like, okay, there's, there's emotion there. Like, there's clearly emotion there. So you're not a psychopath, bro. There's just, there's clearly something fucking happening that is not keeping you from being able to fucking explore these emotions healthily, okay? Now, fast forward to over 10 years later, because that's how long it took for me to finally realize that you're not a fucking psychopath, dog. You are fucking traumatized, okay? And the reason why you can't feel any of these fucking emotions is because you only know one response, and that is survival, okay? You only know how to survive. You're, I don't have anxiety, dog, okay? I have this on this lingering fucking post-traumatic stress that keeps me hyper-vigilant at all fucking times. I'm on, always on edge because I grew up in a volatile environment, not just at home, but in the, you know, in the hood, dog. Motherfuckers break off in a fight in a heartbeat. Motherfuckers start blasting each other in a fucking heartbeat, okay? Um, and because of that, you're constantly on guard. You grow up in a household where your fucking parents are uh, addicted to drugs and alcohol and they're constantly fighting with each other. You're on edge because you realize it's just, you can feel it in the air, dog. You can hear it in people's voices, right? The tone changes immediately. The energy gets sucked out of the room and you realize, oh shit, my dad's about to beat the shit out of me and my mom, okay? And that's just, that's just how it is. And if you don't take the time to properly fucking address that, if not, my, by the way, not my dad, my stepdad, okay, my brother's dad, right? Because as I mentioned, my dad, my, like my actual biological father, never in the picture, right? Um, stepdad, different story, unfortunately. <laughs> um, anyways, you grow up with these fucking survival instincts, yo, and if you don't fucking take the, first of all, if you're not educated and if you don't fucking made aware of these survival instincts, you just grow up assuming that this is normal. You fucking get to the point where I did, right? Where I mistook the basic fucking kindness of strangers as I just, I didn't know what to make of it. Right? I thought these motherfuckers, oh, this person in love with me? No, motherfucker, that's basic human fucking kindness. And it's not, it's not indicative of any sort of fucking attraction so much as this is how healthy, healthy, quote unquote, you know what I mean? But like non-traumatized motherfuckers, <laughs> that's how they fucking, that's how they, you know, interact with other people, right? And of course, my fucking damaged, traumatized ass immediately assumed that that just meant that, you know, they wanted to fuck or whatever. Anyways, um, if you grow up your entire life and you're not made aware that this is the, the, the hypervigilance that you're constantly living in is not normal, you just grow up and assume that it's normal and that everyone fucking lives with that kind of shit and that everyone is like that at all times, which I'm not saying that there's not a lot of people out there that aren't. I'm just saying that it's not fucking normal, okay? 
still to this day, I have to remind myself like, yo, chill the fuck out. I, I got to check myself. I'm at home alone and I'm just ready. Like I'm, I'm already ready for some shit to pop off. I'm like, yo, chill, motherfucker. Like relax. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it got to the point then when I realized finally after 19 years of the fucking initial instance, it's like, no, no you're not a psychopath. Okay. You're just, you don't have emotional maturity. And the reason you don't have emotional maturity is a, because you were not educated in a way that was conducive to learning emotional maturity. But more importantly, you were not raised in a way that fostered the growth of the emotional maturity. So you need to start being a little kinder to yourself and perhaps even to the people who raised you for their inability to get... You to, you know, growing up in the hood, dog, it's a special place. I would never trade it in for the world. But yo, like, your boy, I raised myself, basically. I was like a fucking feral dog from the age of 13 on, okay? Thankfully, by the m fucking... The mercy of Miklekasitwal, okay? The mercy. <laughs> I had loving grandparents. Still, to this day, have loving grandparents because I fucking... I don't even like to think about where I would have been had I not had that little bit of love that they provided in my life when I was growing up and needed it the most, okay? But, um, yeah, so, again, just imagine my surprise and when I realized, like, you're not a psychopath, you're a traumatized piece of shit and you gotta fucking work at overcoming this traumatization in order for you to go on and continue to live a better, happier life, right? And that's kind of the fucking... That's another one of those issues that was brought to light when, you know, DMX passed is realizing it's like, yo... How many of these motherfuckers, how many of us in the hood have gone through that life, had led DMX's life, maybe not with the success, but the same fucking circumstances? These people who are locked up in prison right now, the people who have been fucking dead and gone for years already, people that we immediately assume were pieces of shit because they were either dead because of gangs or in prison because of gangs. How many of those motherfuckers realistically are nothing more than traumatized children who didn't have the fucking emotional maturity because they were not given with the tools necessary to develop it? How many of those were fucking potential geniuses that got caught up in the system and were lost because of it, right? And so it's here and coming around full circle to the beginning of the podcast where I ultimately realized the space in which Jordan Peterson occupies, okay? Listen, I still, I'm not a fucking fan of the dude, okay? All I'm saying, and it's honestly, <laughs> it really is for philosophical reasons at this point, right? Um... But I can understand exactly the appeal to a Jordan Peterson character because, again, I myself was drawn to an individual, a charismatic individual who had powerful words to speak, this one being DMX, dog, right? And the appeal, at least as I understood it in the wake of this passing of DMX, was that many of us, dog, <laughs> many of those who were fucking fans of DMX, many of the people who are fans of fucking Jordan Peterson, we do not have that father figure, yo. Like, Jordan Peterson's gonna come out and he's gonna lament the fucking attack on masculinity. I don't give a fuck about that, okay? But there is strangely something to be said. Uh, the reason I don't give a fuck about it is because the masculinity that he's defending, I maintain, is toxic masculinity. It's machismo. So who gives a fuck? That shit needs to be attacked, okay? Um, but there is definitely something to be said about having not just a father figure, just an adult, dog, a healthy, emotionally mature adult guide us as children in through this fucking weird-ass journey through Tlaltic Pak, dog. Existence is fucking... It's horrifying. It's a mystery. It's terrifying. Everyone's fucking afraid, okay? No one knows what the fuck is going on. And if you add on top of the fact that you're trying to fucking... You're just thrown into this bitch and fucking left to figure it out on your own, good luck, homeboy, right? But simultaneously, there still exists the desire 
for people to figure it out so that they can live a good, happy life. Hence the appeal or the existence of Jordan Peterson, right? Of me, dude, like I'm fucking here doing the same shit. I'm fucking trying to live a good, happy life and share the insights that I fucking found, right? Um, so, you know, you have people like myself, these Reagan babies, yo, you know, parents addicted to drugs and fucking thrown in prison and left in the absence of no fucking a paternal figure to look elsewhere to find it. And, you know, admittedly, I'm not saying that I fucking, you know, modeled my life after DMX, but like record, like in retrospect, yo, like motherfucker came into my life at a, at a very early age and was part of my life through his music for the entirety of his life. You know what I mean? And the same is true of these fucking Jordan Peterson fans, yo. He is speaking to them. He is speaking to, I'll even introduce the Nawa approach to it, dog. He is speaking to the hearts and the faces of people who are heartless and faceless, okay? And he is giving them the strength to make wise the countenance of their heart and of their faces, to give them the courage necessary to fucking deal with everyday life, right? Because again, in the face of the horrifying fact, the last thing you need is to not have the strength to stand up and live it, right? And that's exactly what this Jordan Peterson character is doing. It's what fucking, you know, DMX did. It's what so many other cult of personality type figures out there are doing. So rather than blast motherfuckers for, you know, falling victim to it, I guess you could say. Like, because me personally, I, I tend to consider a lot of Jordan Peterson stands kind of as a cult. Like, the very cultish behavior that they exhibit. But it's not just Jordan Peterson. Donald Trump, Biden, like, there's lots of cults out there, dog. Not just fucking the ones on Netflix documentaries, right? Um... And before my initial reaction, because complete hypocrisy on my end, because I never acknowledged the ways that I kind of felt into cultish behaviors, right? With, again, the people that I venerate. But to be fair, this is less of a veneration and was initially a fucking an altar for Dia de los Muertos, okay? It's an assignment that I did for my class in my PhD program. Maybe I'll share it one day. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, the cultish personality traits that I myself exhibited. So what I'm trying to say then is that I learned a little bit... <laughs> You can't just judge motherfuckers who fall into this behavior. That instead of judging these motherfuckers, a more apt and a more appropriate response is to be understanding of these motherfuckers, like myself, okay, admittedly, of the motherfuckers who become Jordan Peterson stands. Now, this is going to be a very radical shift away from the DMX component of the podcast and into something a little bit different, right? But the roots of it will remain the same. And the shift is here is that the compassion is the part that I find is the most lacking in the story of it all. And here's what I mean by that, okay? It's easy for us to fucking judge anybody for falling victim to a cult, right? Because how fucking, how can you be so stupid, basically? I know I've said this myself in the past. It's me being aware of that, being mindful of that and recognizing like, okay, maybe there's more to it, dog. Maybe you yourself weren't being so honest with yourself even when you said that. Maybe the reason why these people are falling victim to this is because these people have suffered tremendously in their lives. And they have finally found something that gives them the strength and the courage necessary to deal with everyday life in the figure of a in the form of a figurehead who has themselves almost certainly, there's no doubt in my mind, dog, that Jordan Peterson's got some shit going on underneath that surface. You know what I mean? DMX at least wore that shit right here, dog, which is what I found so fucking appealing about it. He made no qualms about it, okay? But just because JP has gone through some shit doesn't mean that he's not qualified to speak on it. And if the insights that he's developed along the way has helped him, but more importantly, is helping others, how can you fucking bless that, dog? How can you, how can you hate on that? And the answer is, I personally can't unless I'm going to willingly and willfully be a fucking hypocrite. Because what the fuck did I say at the beginning of this podcast about myself? If it takes for me to suffer, for my brother to see the light, give me pain till I die, Lord. 
but please treat them right. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, I think um, I'm going to go ahead and end this podcast right here. This is a short, if anything, welcome back podcast for myself. Like I said, it's been about three weeks now. I'm looking forward to getting these out a little bit more consistently. But most importantly, I just kind of wanted to get my thoughts on the dark man himself out there. You know what I mean? Um, it's fucking weird, dog. It's fucking weird. Uh, <laughs> again, I'm not trying to sound histrionic because I, didn't, I never met the motherfucker in real life. But I feel as though not just me, but millions of people around the world had such a deep connection not just, you know, with him. Definitely, but other musicians as well, other artists as well, because of the power of their music, that his passing made me really sit back and put a lot of shit into perspective. You can realize a lot of shit about the influence that he had on hood philosophy. And perhaps the most important thing is the importance of compassion and understanding. The quick direction that I was going to take it away from, which I'm going to pick up again, but I've mentioned it before, is I started thinking about it in terms of ethnicity, dog. Like I really did. <laughs> And one of the reasons why is because I'm not oblivious, yo. Like, obviously, I'm, I, as much as I could fucking sit here and say shit like this doesn't matter to me, race, ethnicity, I still understand that it matters to a lot of other people, okay? And that me as a non-black person speaking on B DMX, even for some people, is still completely out of line, despite the fact that I would like to think that I related to him less, obviously, as a black person, but more so as a fucking person who suffered trauma and sickness of spirit, you know what I mean? Growing up in the hood. But um, I can't, in good faith, criticize people who do that because, in a way, I'm I'm kind of the same when it comes to the the the, the, the Chicano culture, to you know, and when it comes definitely to the Nahuatl culture. And if there was one great takeaway that I got from this, it honestly was. Inevitably, it may appear as though compassion exercised to its highest form is going to require us at least me, to move beyond that and recognize that it realistically really, really, really isn't about ethnicity. And that also implies white people, Doug, okay? Inevitably, if we're going to unify under this collective class consciousness that I envision in my mind, it would entail white people because I'm not one of those people who thinks that any person should not exist. I think all people fucking... I think life is dope, dog. I think life could be dope as fuck, right? And I'm not trying to exclude anybody from that fucking group, irrespective of their ethnicity, their gender, their sexual orientation. That implies straight, wealthy white men, yo, okay? Now, I know that's very unpopular in the fucking academic circles, but fuck them, dog. This is hood philosophy, <coughs> okay? And where the ideas of compassion came up then is realizing all the issues that you and me grew up with and fucking dealt with growing up in the hood. That's not to say that there's other people who aren't of our ethnicity didn't experience in them as well. Okay. And it's absolutely also not to say that people who didn't grow up in the hood aren't experiencing them either. And that for better or for worse, dog implies white males, for instance. Okay. That if we're going to extend compassion and understanding Inevitably, it's going to be tasked upon us to extend that same compassion and understanding to our non-people of color, if you will, counterparts. And it's very difficult for me. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice just thinking about it because obviously I have a lot of anger about all the institutions that are in place right now because of the ancestors of these fucking, you know, of these white males, basically, you know, just I'm being very dismissive of it, right? But Europeans, dog, okay, there's a lot of pain and suffering that their ancestors have caused and that are 
still in effect, the structures are still in effect, a lot of which can be easily fucking blamed for DMX's fucking demise. But not just DMX, as I've said before, but countless motherfuckers, geniuses, dog. We're talking doctors, lawyers, artists, musicians, you know, potential fucking astronauts who are now dead or in jail because of the systems that these fucking European peoples brought and imposed on this continent and still benefit from to this day. However, if we're talking about compassion, that implies that it needs to be spread universally, dog. It's a universal shared essence of humanity, which means inevitably you're gonna, we're going to have to have that conversation of extending compassion and understanding to our white counterparts as well. I don't know how deep this conversation is. I don't know how deep it's going to go because I live in El Paso, Texas, dog, okay? Some motherfucker came from 800 miles, like 500 miles away, far as fuck, okay? To my hometown to kill Mexican people, okay? Because it's a white dude, obviously, and he felt as though we were an invasion. We were invading Texas. He had no idea. This is fucking our land, first and foremost, okay? Y'all motherfuckers invaded here. But on top of all that, still, we're still, I know at least for me personally, going to try to practice compassion and empathy because I've, I've talked about this before in the anatomy of a serial killer, of anatomy of a, of a school shooter, right? No, anatomy of a mass shooter podcast that I did in the heels of the fucking mass shooting in El Paso. But it's the idea that I'm going to pick up with at a further point as well. And that is the dude that came here and shot up El Paso. He openly himself stated that he was bullied. Okay, fine. Like, you know, I see it on social media. White people say this shit all the time. I was having a bad day. I was bullied, etc. But I also see that they're quickly being dismissed, dog. And I honestly, admittedly, just I don't feel that's right. And so when it comes back to all of this, the love, the understanding, the compassion, inevitably... We're going to have to recognize that all people, dark, just by virtue of existing, irrespective of their ethnicity, are dealing with these issues that people like DMX, people like Jordan Peterson, help us come to terms with. And if we're really seeking to fucking elevate to the next level of existence, it's going to require that we fucking extend the compassion to all people. Because ultimately, dog, realistically, if I learn anything, <laughs> this is like just a quick summation about the... Uh, in my reflections on the passing of DMX is that love love trumps all dog okay but I've never felt the love like this before that's DMX again the prayer skit I can just say it over and over and over again because of how deeply profound that fucking prayer skit is right <laughs> I'll just leave it at that dog there's just so much going on I'm just gonna leave it at that okay um as always, I appreciate you joining in on this particular episode of the podcast. I look forward to bringing you more some uh, consistently here in the coming future. But um, until then, I hope you all have a great rest of your day. Peace.